always am privileged to do that. So let's do that this morning. If you got your Bible, turn with me, if you would, to Psalms chapter 133. Amen. Psalms chapter 133. If it is your first time, I hope we didn't scare you today so far. But it ain't over with yet. I say that with a smile. Psalms 133, verse 1. Hold your finger there and uh, flip over to John 17. Verse we went to last week. I'm going to read both of those real quick, and we're going to get into the Word today and, uh, and uh, find out what God's trying to say through this Word today, through a crazy old country boy. Amen. Verse 1. You got to say amen. amen. If you still look and say, hold on. All right, I'll wait on you. There's room at the cross. Amen. Psalms 133.1. Let's roll. Let's do this. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible today. It says, Behold. That means pay attention. Listen. Hold up. Listen. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Man. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to come together and dwell together in unity. Look at your neighbor and smile at them and say, I love you. Oh, that was quiet. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Amen. You know, if, if you don't say that, if you don't mean that, you can't get the glory. So we're going to get this in you today. So flip over to John 17, verse 11. And uh, after this, we're going to play something on the screen. But John chapter 17, verse 11, read it last week, got to read it again. It's our foundation scripture for this series. It says, now I am no longer in the world. Jesus speaking. That's, the, that's Jesus Christ, the only one, his anointing, speaking these words. It's him leaving. But he said, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm going to leave some folks behind. And I, this is my prayer for them. This is a prayer for his disciples, the early church and the church of the day. It says this, now I am no, no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. One more time. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given, that they may be one as we are. Check this out. God, make us one today. Lord, let us understand the power of unity, God. What happens, Lord, when we come together? Lord, today show us, paint a picture for us in our mind today. Lord, let our imaginations run wild, God, and let us see what we could do. Lord, where we could go, and Lord, who we could reach today, God. Lord, bring us together. Unite us together as one. I come against any hindrance, anything that tries to divide today, anything that has been sent by the enemy to steal, kill, destroy. I come against those things and the authority is as in the name of Jesus. And I speak life today, strength today, God. And again, let this word be real to us and get, let it get in our hearts today. 
in the name of Jesus. Say it with me, church. Amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. amen. Just getting your practice stuff. So if I say something good, say amen. And even if I don't, maybe every now and then throw it in there. It helps me feel better, all right? It uh, keeps me rolling a little bit. But uh, it is, I'm glad to be here this morning. Uh, this morning at 5 o'clock, uh, we were laying in bed in Sevierville, Tennessee, and uh, celebrating uh, an awesome weekend with my family. And uh, first time we've had, I believe, all 26 Rogerses together in one place. And if uh, you heard some things maybe on the news going on in Sevierville, that was us. So uh, you get all those people together, just you know, kind of crazy, strange things begin to happen. But it was a great time. We were celebrating my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Come on. That's awesome. I mean, that is so cool. And I, I love that. I'm so thankful. And I, I'm thankful for the example that they set to me and my three brothers and showed four boys that they can make it in a world where there is things that come up and things arise and, and uh, the enemy is after the marriages. But they've shown us and set a godly example to us. And I'm so thankful for that. And all four of the boys have been married and still married to the first wives. I just think that's awesome. And, uh, and I believe it is. It was a godly example they set for us and just showed us. And it was just a, it was just a cool thing to be able to get up there and hang out with them, had the honor and privilege to do this, renew their vows. Amen. Amen. Renewed their vows after 50 years. So it was a really neat thing to, to, to kind of recapture and, and almost kind of even go to that place when I see them standing there. And, and uh, we had a picture of uh, them on that day and then a picture of them today. And it was, just, it was just a neat thing to see how time changes us and how life changes us. But even through the changes, even through the tribulations and the trials and the things that come our way, we can stick it out. Amen. And I believe they begin to show us something. As I begin to think about our family and begin to even relate it to this series and begin to look at some things, how do you come together and stay together for 50 years with all the pressures that we face for boys? In our family. I mean, that right there. We got two boys and a girl. And all, I mean, I, I don't know where we sometimes feel like it's more than four boys. I don't know if it's the one girl that kind of throws you over or the one Caleb. or I don't know what it is, but, but whatever it is. But I, I begin to think about through all that, four boys and in a family with dad just working one job. And, and uh, just, but we hung in there. We came together. Now, it just uh, really began to just blow my mind. I begin to think, what makes a family successful? What makes a church successful? What makes us still, after all of the situations, the things that come our way, what keeps us together? What brings us together? And I begin to think, I believe this. I believe the number one reason that our family was still together after 50 years and my parents doing their thing, I believe it's for this reason. Because we came together. We did stuff together. It didn't matter what was going on. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. It was amazing. I mean, I didn't come in until it was dark and it was time to get a bath and go to bed. Wasn't no hanging out, playing video games, watching TV, that kind of stuff. We went all day long into the night, but there were times when you knew that you were supposed to be home. That was when it was time to eat. Now, we came together. We knew when it, was, when it was time to eat, we showed up, we stopped what we were doing, and we all came together. And, and it, was, it, was, it was just awesome. Huh? You know, at the time, you don't realize that you got good food. You know, that, you know I, I don't know if you ever did this. Now, this is how it worked. It don't work like this today. When we were together, Mama fixed one thing, and that's what you ate. And, you know, it ain't like if you don't eat, you don't, you're going to go hungry. No, I wouldn't even, we didn't even have that option. You're going to eat it. 
when you sit down, you're going to eat what she fixes, and you're going to like it. And you're not going to open your mouth, and if you do, just get ready. So, but you sit down and you eat. So we did things, and I, I discovered a little place in our porch. Underneath our porch is a little hole in the side of the steps where the concrete was. There's a little hole there. Now, I, I mean, I smuggled some stuff out through my pockets and slid it in that hole many times. I mean, it was just, I mean, and my parents just wondered where the rats came from. It was a dust smorgasbord, Ryan's, Ryan's buffet underneath our porch, you know what I'm saying, of, of things that, that, you know, we didn't eat. But, I mean, but we came together. It was just something we did. We come together. When it was time to go to church, you know what we did? We went to church. It wasn't no, well, I'm going to sleep in today, and I, I may show up. Y'all go ahead, and I'll meet you there on the flip side, and then we'll, we'll show up. No, we got up. Went to church together. Four boys lined up, same haircut. We lined them up. Mama set us down. And we lined them up. When it was time to go to church, she fixed the hair. Every one of us. Braille cream. You just you, you put it on there, boom, put it in there. And now people wonder why I wear gel today. I mean, I have brow cream, you know, on my head for, 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 for 15 years. Man, that's, that's where it's still, it's still, I'm just still, you know, still reminiscent of those days. But we came together. It's just what we did. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, just, it's just what we do. When it was vacation time, we went on vacation together. Now, now think about it for just a second. It wasn't, no, well, you're gonna, I'm going to meet y'all down there. I'm gonna, no, we went together, six of us. And then when my brother got married... Seven of us. And when my, wife, my, my brother's wife had their first baby, David III, eight of us went together in one station wagon. <laughs> one station wagon. I remember going to Florida. I mean, we, we went down. My aunt used to manage a hotel in Florida, and, and it, was, it, was, it was, you know, finances wasn't always real strong. And I remember sitting there begging, talking to my dad, saying, please take us to Florida. Let's go on vacation. He had one vacation a year. It was July 4th. It's when the mill shut down. One week a year. I don't know if y'all know anything about that, but we shut down once a year and we weren't going anywhere because of finances. And we finally sat there and said, dad, come on, take us. Come on, please. Aunt Alice has a place. She's going to let us stay for free. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Finally, we loaded up. It was about 1130 or 12 o'clock one night, jumped in one station wagon. I remember David III smelling up that station wagon so bad. It was rough. And, you know, you go into Florida July 4th in a station wagon. It's about 147 degrees. And, I mean, it's just, it's just a rough thing. But we did it together. Now, here's the deal. Was it always roses? No, nah, especially not in the, in the station wagon after David III done his thing. It was not roses. I've, trust me. I mean, it was rough. But here's the deal. We understood some things, and I believe the church needs to understand this. There wasn't no other option for us. Now, so, so did everything? No, it didn't go along good. There were no other options. One time I remember my brother laying my head open from about here to right here with a lead pipe. Could he quit being my brother? When I almost killed him, yeah, I mean, he it, it, it almost did. But, but he was still my brother. It was one time, it, it, it got ugly for me and Tim. Now, as I begin to think about this stuff, there was, there was five years, and I'm just trying to paint a picture for you today. There were five years between me and the brother right above me. So there was five years in between us. So as I look at that, I begin to think, I was 10 and he was 15. 
So that's a quite a big, big age difference. So when I fought these boys, now looking back, I feel pretty good about myself hanging in there as a 10-year-old against a 15-year-old. Now, Tim was a couple years older than that, so a 17-year-old. I remember this. I was 11 years old. He was 18 years old. For the very first time in my life, I remember getting lit up. Some of y'all look, I know Pastor did that. I thought he was a pretty good kid. No, when I'm talking about this, literally the first time that I ever remember, actually, we, we started off fighting. Me and my brother was in the living room, and the fight, the fight carried into the kitchen, and the lights were off. And I remember seeing something out of the corner of my eye. It was a right hook coming across and hitting me right across the jaw. And, I remember, and it was the first time I've ever seen this. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Don't go home and try it. It's not a good, not a good idea. But it, I remember the first time actually being lit up. It was dark. He hit me, and for a brief moment, I, I, I opened up, and I could see everything in the kitchen. <laughs> this is awesome, man. I mean, it was just it was crazy, but it was just amazing to think about this. But listen, I still couldn't quit being his brother. So I, I, if we can understand just that principle... Even when things come against us, even when stuff comes this way, mom and daddy uh, hasn't always been a pretty 50 years for them, but they're still here. They still made it. They still pressed through this thing. And if we can understand that no matter what comes our way is, there is no other option for the family of God but to unify and still come together as one. Amen. To still come together. I'm preaching right now, if y'all don't notice that. That's a good word. Amen. When we come together, and there is no other option for me but to stick this thing out. So that means when somebody comes against you and gives you that right hook and lights you up, you still got to love them, according to the book. I still had to love them. It took me a while for that love to grow back and, and for, for the strength to come back into our relationship. But I remember the strain there, but also there was no other option for me. There is no other options for us today. And it's powerful when we come together in unity. There is a heritage that I'm going to, I believe will last until Jesus comes by, to comes back, called the Rogers lineage. It's a heritage that was started by two people. And because they came together, I believe this, that legacy is going to live on. And it's going to live on from now and forever. And it's powerful when we understand that when we come together, unity happens and God does amazing things. All throughout the Bible... All throughout the Bible, there is emphasis after emphasis on the spirit of unity. How important it is and how, how amazing it is when we come together. Even again, I read it in John 17. Jesus prayed fervently for people to come together and be unified. That's what he prayed. Do you, why do you think he prayed that they would be unified? Because he knew the enemy was out to separate and to destroy because these guys were called to be witnesses to the most amazing thing that ever happened called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the enemy knew if he could separate them, he could cause that message to go null and void. And today we may, may not be sitting here if they allowed the enemy to come in and separate them. But they came together and they unified. And I love that. And all throughout the early church, you see these people coming together, becoming unified, and God doing amazing things. And God just blowing minds. Now, here's the deal. Even in crisis, amen? Even in crisis, even when things come along, the early church knew what to do. The more I learn about these guys, I'm telling you, the more I want our church to be like them. 
I know we got we, we got to be modern today, and and I, I, I've I've again I, I try to keep up with the church you know stuff movements and all the things we got to do and try to be modern and all those sorts of things. But listen to me: the more I learn about those guys, the more that's the way I want us to be. Because the early church, man, they just loved Jesus. They just were witnesses to what He had done. They saw the resurrection, and these guys were just going house to house talking about Him. Just eating together, sitting down, fellowshipping with one another, coming together and just believing that, man, what they saw was incredible and they can change the world with this message. They believed they could turn the world upside down, so they said, we're going to come together and just unify. So it just started just springing up. I don't believe they had a small groups director. I don't believe they had a staff meeting there and brought them together and said, now this is what we're going to do. We're going to raise up, we're going to raise up a, 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 you know, a small groups pastor. He's going to be over discipleship and all these things. And again, nothing wrong with that. We need to be structured and we're trying our best to get more structure. But listen, they didn't have to do that. They just began to explode and come together. They just began to do amazing things just because they believed in the message. And so all throughout the Bible, they just started coming together. In Acts chapter 2, there was 120 of them. Two chapters later in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, the Bible talks about the multitude numbering this when you study it out. 10,000 plus. Two chapters later. In one day, they added 3,000 to the church. Come on. Now listen to me. You know why I want to be more like these guys? Well, some people are like, well, I don't know. We, we need to have a smaller church or we need to have a bigger church. It doesn't matter. When there were 120, their focus was still the same. When it was 10,000, their focus was still the same. That's Jesus. Amen? That's Christ and Him crucified and He resurrected and He's coming again. That's all that matters. So here's the deal. God let us grow to 50,000 as long as our perception and our vision of what you've called us to do will never change. Amen? Amen. So that's what, that's what happens when we just do this. Just begin to do what He said to do. So, and again, at work, popping up, having Bible studies. Coming into the house. Come on, come over to my house. We're going to sit down, not gossip. Okay. All right, spiritual people said amen. Are the ones who felt convicted. I'll know Bill. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, but listen. Listen. They just began to come together and begin to study God's Word. Begin to come together house to house. And even in crisis, they knew what to do. In Acts, in Acts 3 and 4, you find the story of really the first major catastrophe or crisis that the early church faced. It was when Peter and John had been uh, in prison for doing the right thing. Now listen, anytime something happens to you and maybe things aren't always going good, it's maybe not always because you're a bad person or because just the devil's mad, whatever. These guys were doing the right thing. And were imprisoned for it. And they were brought together and they did this. They said, now you don't mention the name of Jesus. Can you imagine me coming to you two guys and say, all right, no longer can you guys mention the name of Jesus. They, they wear me out if we try to stop that. Or, but listen, these guys were brought together and Peter and John said, do not mention the name of Jesus again. Now, go to your Bible, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Look, look at what these guys did. Instead of fleeing and separating, instead of running scared and, and, uh, and, and saying, oh, well, okay, maybe we might get, we might get put back in jail. We might not. Now listen, look at what these guys did. It, it's just amazing to me. I, I love these guys. Didn't separate. The Bible says that they come back together to the church. They come to the people that they love and they knew they could trust. And they come to that place and the Bible says that they reported. They said they told them what happened. They said this is what took place. They come against us trying to bring us down and, and trying to separate us and trying to, to keep us silent. 
Kind of sounds like some things going on in the world today. Well, I can stay there and preach. But, but think about it. Some of the things, I heard some, some, some stuff going on about what pastors can say and what they can't say from the pulpit. And it just blows my mind. I'm going to say what this says right here. If I get put in jail, please come bail me out. Amen? Or at least come bring me something to eat. You know. But listen, listen. These guys came together. And look at what they did. They didn't come together and just talk about it and just say, man, I can't believe they did us like that. That was wrong. That was messed up. No, the Bible says they came together in one accord and they began to cry out. Verse 24, Acts 4. So when they heard this, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Bill, the heart for prayer that you have, man. Imagine what happens when the church comes together and begin to cry out together in one voice and begin to cry out and say, God, you alone are God. Look at, look at what happened. Acts uh, 4.31, it says this. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Verse 32. Now the multitude... 120 radical folks, two, two chapters early, got together and waited on God and said, we're not leaving here until we encounter Him and we experience the Holy Spirit, the promise, the comforter, what Jesus said we would do if we stay together. In, in, in that moment, they encountered Him. And now, now two chapters later, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Now, when you, I don't know if you read the Bible and try to, try to live this thing out, but when I look at stuff like that, that can be even a little bit depressing sometimes. You know, these guys had 10,000 plus people, and the Bible says they're one heart and one soul, and we sometimes try to scratch our head, get a couple of hundred folks together and say, man, it's all, it's all hell's trying to break loose. Listen, it doesn't mean that they're better than we are, because I don't believe they were. I believe if Jesus is in them, Jesus is in me, it means we're equal. We're all part of the same family. But I believe they began to see things a little bit different. Their perspective began to change. They began to look at things just a little bit different. There were no, no greater Christians than we are, but this is the deal. I believe their perception of what they saw and what they placed value on might be a little bit different sometimes than maybe where we place our value. Because the Bible goes on to say this. Now listen, this is the word. Now, neither did anyone say that any of these things he possessed was his own, but that he had all things in common. Verse 34 says this, Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. 10,000 plus people coming together and nobody lacking anything? Man, how did they do it? For all who were possessors of land or houses, they sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Don't get mad at me, but people get mad when we say give 10%. These guys sold everything. Well, the old covenant, the new covenant, tithes was before the law. It was pre-law. That was Abraham, man, back in the day. So it didn't have anything with law, pro, people, none of that stuff. It didn't matter. None of, that, none of that even matters. These guys didn't look at any of this. They sold everything they had, brought it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it said, everybody, everyone, nobody missed anything. They went with, they, they didn't lack anything. And I believe it was this reason. 
the grace of God had been revealed to them the true value of Jesus Christ. The true value of Jesus Christ, they began to see it. I, I believe much like the lady in Matthew 26. When you, if, you, if you look at it around verse 7 or so, there was a lady who walked in when Jesus was there with his disciples. And she came in, the Bible says she took an alabaster flask, a perfume bottle, of not just, you know, CK1, Calvin Klein, Dracar, I don't know what I'm telling my age, what, I don't, what's out there now? Curve? I mean, it's, it wasn't just curve that they was bringing in. Listen to me. A, a, a very fragrant, costly perfume they brought in. It's, the, the scholars say this, probably a year's worth of salary. So whatever that may be for you, one year's worth of salary, took it in, and she said this, I value this man. And she took what she said, and she said, I'm going to break this, and she began to pour it over his head. And she began to let it run down. And I love it. And I love the picture that it creates. Anytime we take what we have and we break it and we give it to Jesus, I can see what she had given to Christ. And as it began to run down him, it began to take on the form of Christ. Anytime we take what we have and give it to him, it takes on his form and not our form. Amen. It takes on his shape and not our shape. It gives him glory and not us. Amen. Anytime we begin to do that. And she took what she had and she began to pour it upon him. They began to fuss, even the disciples. Said, we could have sold this. Man, we could have put this on Craigslist. This could have went on eBay, and we could, have, we could have fed the hungry with this. And Jesus said, no, she recognizes something. What was valuable. She just simply took what she had and began to lay it down at his feet. Kind of like the Antique Row Show. Has anybody ever seen the Antique Row Show? <laughs> Any Row Show? Buy Public television. Amen. That's good. I mean, I was watching this. I haven't seen it, but I believe twice. I, I saw this the other day. It was on. I was flipping through, and, and it was amazing to me. These guys come in, and they take something, and, they, and the, the road show pulls up, and they get out, and they take their, their, their thing that they have in. And this lady had as a pot or something, and she, she brought this in. And, 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 and the gentleman who was directing the show, the, the antique specialist, he looks at her and says, Well, uh, what do you think this piece is worth? And she's like, well, I, I'm hoping several hundred dollars or I'm hoping this is really a valuable piece and, and this is going to really, really make me a lot of money. Just t tell me. <laughs> several hundred dollars, you're going to be surprised. And he begins to tell her what this is. This ancient piece was, was formed and, and molded and, and, and years ago in some ancient Indian tribe. And, and this thing is just, is, is just amazing. It, it, I can't believe this. Where did you find this at? Well, it's been up in the attic for I don't know how many years now. My, my, my grandmother picked it up on the side of the road and, and whatever. And this thing is, is, is how, how much? This piece that you have, ma'am, is probably worth in excess of twenty to $25,000. And all the Rocho groupies, hey, come on. I mean, she, she about falls out. But and it, and it's amazing. She takes this. I believe this is what happens. The moment she realized what it was worth is the moment she treated it just a little bit different. I don't believe she ever treated that, that piece of pottery the same. I, I, I'm telling you, what she may have used to just brought in and, and juggled and, and carried around. I can see her kids coming up to her and she's kicking them off. Saying, you get back. This is worth 25. Don't you touch me. Husband's trying to give her a hug. No, uh, $25,000 right here. She valued this. The moment we do this, the moment 
we begin to recognize and our perception comes to a place where we recognize the value and the worth of something is the moment we'll begin to treat it the way it should be treated. And each of us have something inside of us called gifts. Each, of, each one of us inside of us, we have something more valuable than what we can ever even imagine. How really powerful and how, how valuable the gift that each one of us have. Each one of us inside of us have a sound that is supposed to be released into the heavens. Each one of us have something that we can use. And, and, and it's amazing. The Bible says they took their sound and their voice and they brought them together in one accord. That doesn't mean they're all in one car together. Some of you are going to get that tomorrow afternoon, you know, when you listen to this on, on, on the website. It doesn't mean they're all in one accord. They wasn't all in the same car. This is 10,000 people coming together, joining together, one voice, one accord. Now listen, it's the same one accord that you read about in Acts chapter 2. It's the same one. And it, and it brought, about, brought forth the same results. Anytime we come together in one accord, the same result happens. The Holy Spirit will follow. The power of Pentecost will take place. And the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ and what he did will ring out. And daily, these people were growing. Daily, these people were coming together. It was amazing. Now listen to this. What one accord is. Now just again, so you, I ain't making this up. This is in the Greek lexicon. I just... just Cut and paste it just so you'll you know, believe me. The word is this. One accord is homo thumadon. And I probably butchered that, but that's close as I'm going to get to it. Homo thumadon. It means this. Now listen. It's a unique Greek word used 10 of its 12 New Testament occurrences in the book of Acts. It helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. Homo thumadon is a, a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. And it says this, the image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and in tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. Mm, not Kung Fu master, but a concert master. So the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. Amen. Man. One tune. Now listen to this. All these voices together in one tune, one accord. I, and, and this is what a tune is. A tune is, is, a, is a group of notes and, and groups of sounds coming together, forming a melody. Now here's what I, got, I, I want to get in you today. Each of you have a sound. Each of us, inside of us, has a sound. And this is the thing. Each sound in this room is significant. You know, if you was the only one on this earth, Jesus would have still died. He would have still gave his life for you because he realizes, understands how powerful your sound is. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And I want you to check this out. Go to, go to verse 3. This is amazing to me. Romans chapter 12. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now listen. 
For as we have many members in one body. Anytime you start, you're reading your scripture and you see that word one, I want you to highlight and underline it. Anytime you're going to start seeing that thing, it's really going to start speaking to you. This word is going to start speaking to you, even in your own quiet time. But all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And it says this. Let us use them. (laughs) Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us then Use them. Check out some of the individual gifts that we have in this church. stuff right there. That's good. Now, these guys, each one have, have, have some amazing gifts to me, and this blows my mind. Uh, but, but imagine if everybody just came together and brought even their gift and even decided to use the gift, but just use it how they wanted to use it. It may sound a little bit something like this right here. Check this out. Does that not make you want to enter in into the presence of God right there? I'm, I'm about to just lay before the Lord here in just a minute and just, 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 just encounter Jesus. <laughs> now think about it. It blows my mind how, how Matt and Charlie and, and Justin, these guys can play these instruments on the guitar. And it just, it's just crazy how Gary can tickle the ivories and... Ebony's, I guess it is, and, and, and just and just really break it down, and and and, and just just blow my. Bob, Robbie can break the skins down, and and and, and Bobby gets over here and hits the brass, and Jonathan plays the wind wind or whatever that thing's called, and it's just it, it, it's it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I love it. I wish so much again that, that God would give me one of those gifts. But he hasn't given me that gift. He may not have given you that gift. But when each of us do have a gift and say, I'm going to take and I'm going to commit my gift to the vision and to the tune of that house, God can do some amazing things. It sounds a lot different when we bring our gift and we yield to the melody and to the tune and to the vision of that place and we connect it to that house. It may sound a little bit more like maybe this right here. different when we bring our gift and connect it to the vision, to the tune of the melody of the house. Amen. Romans 15 says this. Check it out. Verse 5. It says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind, huh, one mouth, Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Just when we receive one another, when you bring it in, when you just bring in your sound, your sound, is, it, it may be a little bit different. That's okay. If, if everybody in, in the band played the same instrument, it would get on my nerves. 
Come on, it would get on your nerves if we all did the same thing all the time. God has, has, has connected us, and I believe this. I believe that when you bring your gift, and I believe that when you bring your sound, I believe we can make a voice so strong and so loud that we, we make it so strong that the city can't ignore the sound that's going to come forth from this house when we bring it together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? When we bring it together for His glory. Amen? It's not ours. The church never exists for us. Even though it, it, it's amazing the benefits that we get, to, get from it. Even though it's amazing what we exceed, receive and experience when we give Him glory. But it exists for Him and to bring glory and honor to His name. Stand with me if you would, please. As these guys just begin to play the sound, as they begin to make their voice heard, and, and they begin to use the gift... I want to, first of all, I'm going to ask you to do this. Bow your hands and just close your eyes for a moment. I want to ask this question. I made a promise to God I'd do it each and every time. First of all, I want to ask this question. We've been talking about family this morning. We've been singing about family. And, and uh, even this week, weekend, I got to experience family. There's a family called the body of Christ. It's called his church. And regardless of what the media may be saying about the church, regardless of what the enemy's trying to say about the church, I believe the church is the best thing going. I believe the best thing going, best thing coming. It, it is an amazing thing. It's called the church of Jesus Christ, and that's what we've been called today. I believe, first of all, the family of God is the most amazing thing. And if you're not a part of that family today, I want you to know this. Jesus loves you and I said this earlier if he was the only one on this earth he'd have died anyway he'd have suffered anyway he would have given himself and if you're here and, and, and you're not a part of the family of God if you're not a Christian or if you're not a believer there's so many different terms we put on it but I'm going to say it like this if you don't know if you leave this earth you're going to heaven you're not a part of the family of God and you can be because of what Jesus did for you and giving his life for you. If you're already a part of that family, I want you to do this for me for just a moment. I want you to begin to pray. And I want you to do this. If you're a part of the family of God, I want you to raise up your hands so high in this place right now. Just raise it up. I want you to raise it up. If you're a part of the family of God, if you're a believer, man, that's so awesome to look forth and see this. This is, this is, this is incredible. There's some people that's in this room right now. You're not able to raise your hand. Listen to me. We receive one another, just as I just said in Romans 15. We, we're called to receive one another just like we are. Love each other and present to you and give you the message of Jesus Christ that He loves you so much. In just a moment, if you want to join your hand, lift it up with, with these that have their hands raised to the air right now. And you say, I want to be a part of that family. I want to be a part of that family of God. I want you to raise your hand up right now. If you want to join that family right now, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead you in, in, a, in a prayer of salvation today. If you want to join that family, raise up your hand. Father, right now, we thank you for who you are. Let's do this. If that's you, just say this. They say, Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. I believe that you gave your life for me and that God raised you from the dead. And I ask you today, be Lord of my life 
Receive me now into that family. The greatest family. The body of Christ. The family of God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Give God a praise offer for that right there.